Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Yes, it is. It is Sunday morning, and we are coming to you live on Monodia. Imagine, imagine that you pay someone to lock you in a room to see if you can escape. That's exactly what Janelle did. <laughs> I did. Why? Why would you pay someone to lock you in a room? I was with others, and it's a fun um, event. So it's, How's that fun, to be so locked in a room? They and start then... a timer, and you have 60 minutes to get yourself out of the room. And what happens if you don't get out? Then the lights come on, and a voice overhead says, says loser, loser, loser. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But we we won, so I don't. I really don't know what happens if you don't. So get out. why would you pay money? I mean, why would fun. you pay thousands of dollars to be locked in a room? It's it's this, it's investigate. Like you are given clues, and you have to. They're mind games, and you have to figure out. They point to different things in the room oh. that have. The, like you unlock something and you yeah. get a key to another door and then you're in another room and it's just fun. Really? Wouldn't you think that's fun? Wouldn't uh, you pay to do that? No, no, no. Are you claustrophobic? No, it's just, you know, you mentioned mind games. In many ways, <laughs> all of us play mind games in trying to escape different situations and circumstances that we find ourselves in. When life gets tough, and you think, man, I, if I could just find some relief, if I could just mm -hmm. get away, I, I think in many ways that's what vacations are, a chance to escape. Hmm. But what happens if you want to escape the world? If oh. you're tired of living here on planet Earth. Yeah. Now, I'm not talking suicide. I'm talking about... Say, you're talking suicide. I, no, I'm not talking suicide. And I'm not talking... Getting on drugs, a spaceship, oh. <laughs> and departing the planet. And I'm not talking about drugs. Okay. Even though some people say that is the great escape. Right. And they pay money for that too. Yes, they do. So that's what we're going to be looking at today escapism. What happens when you get so tired and you lose all hope about the future and you think the only way out is? to go out through the escape hatch. We'll talk about that when we come right back. Dorothy was a devoted member of First Baptist Church. That particular morning, she was heading northbound and listening to one of her favorite Christian radio stations. In fact, that morning, they were talking about marriage, how to make it a better marriage, how to become a more loving Christian partner. On the back of her car, there was a bumper sticker that read, I break for the rapture. Now, again, she's going northbound. Coming southbound is a truck. And inside of that truck are two individuals who had earlier that day decided that they needed to fulfill their obligation to transport inflatable sex dolls with helium to a adult film show. 
was part of a PR stunt. They're going to take these blow-up dolls, fill them up with helium, and hang them out front to promo this adult film show. Well, as they're driving southbound, they're not paying attention to the road because they're looking at an X-rated magazine. And what they don't realize is that an individual on a skateboard is crossing the road, and at the last minute, they look up from the magazine, slam on the brakes to avoid hitting this person on their skateboard. Well, when that happens, the net that was holding those blow-up sex dolls, it shifts. And when it shifts, yeah, you already know what's happening. The blow-up sex dolls go floating up into the air. Well, when that happens, again, coming northbound is Dorothy. And Dorothy looks up and sees in the distance these floating sex dolls going up in the air. But she really can't make them away out because they're a distance away. And immediately she thinks they're human beings and the rapture must be taking place. And she realizes this is it, the great escape, that what I've been waiting for. And she opens up her car door and she says, oh my Lord, sweet Jesus. And she puts her hands up and she is so transfixed on these humans, what she thinks to be humans, transcending up into the air that she isn't paying attention. And she starts walking, not realizing that she's veering into the other lane and Dorothy does experience the great escape, except she gets hit by a car. This is a scene that took place in the HBO classic, Six Feet Under. And it was built upon this whole idea of the rapture. So what is the rapture? Now we could take a, and make a series of podcasts about that. But the first thing to understand is that the word rapture never appears in the Greek New Testament or the Hebrew Old Testament. It is a Latin word meaning rapio, which means to be caught up. And it is used to refer to Jesus coming for the church. It's used in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18, and it says the following. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on earth will be caught up. Rapio in the Latin, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. Schofield, who in the early 1900s read this, used that word rapture, put it in the Schofield Bible, and from there it became quite popular. So the idea of a rapture actually involves two aspects. There is the first rapture, when Jesus will come invisible and will secretly rapture up those who have been faithful to God. This comes from a reading of Matthew chapter 24, verses 37 to 41, this element of secretness. In verse 37, it says, when the Son of Man returns, it will be like in the days of Noah. 
the idea that people celebrating, enjoying life, not realizing that a flood is coming. When the flood comes, all the people who are outside of the ark are swept away. And then the verse says in 39, that is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. It will come unexpectedly. And if you are not awake, if you are not paying attention, then too bad. Verse 40, it says that two men will be working together in the field. One will be raptio, the Latin word meaning to be taken up. The other will be left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, the other will be left. Too bad on you. So there's this secret rapture that takes place. God's faithful are removed from the earth, and the reason why is because there will be seven years of tribulation, a time of judgment. Now, there's a judgment that occurs before the rapture, where God decides, you are in, you're out. But during this time of tribulation, it's the last opportunity for people to see that God is truly the one in charge. And at the end of that rapture, I mean, that time of tribulation, there will be a second coming of Jesus, and there will be another judgment. Now, what if you are more progressive in the way that you read the Bible, the way that you look at Christian beliefs? What do you do with these texts if you don't want to take them literally? Well, Bruce Sanguin, who is a minister in the United Church of Canada, decided to tackle this. And in a sermon he preached called A Thief, a Kidnapper, and a Flood, he decided to broach this subject. So I thought it would be interesting to see what he had to say. Well, when it comes to Matthew 24, he says the following, and I quote, I have no idea what this means. So it wasn't much help for me. No idea what this means. In fact, he said, it really doesn't sound like anything positive. It sounds like a kidnapping. They were, one is just kidnapped, taken away. Well, what do you do with it then? Bruce, rather than ignoring the issue, decides to take it seriously by seeing the possibility of looking at these texts as not being focused on a literal judgment, a literal return of Christ to take up those who have been faithful, but rather he wants to look at it as a metaphor, as a figurative expression of the coming of Jesus or the coming of God into our lives right now. So what does this look like? Well, first and foremost, Bruce says that God isn't the one who makes judgments. God isn't the one who doles out the consequences. It's reality is it's merely the result of our decision to ignore the warnings that come in our direction. Reality is one way or another life is changing. It's changing all the time. Our world is changing. And with that change comes crisis and opportunities. Now, if we choose to ignore those, not pay attention to those, then it will hit us like a flood or a thief in the night. And again, notice what Bruce is doing here, taking the text, not literally, but using it metaphorically, a lot like Augustine did. And he continues on and he says, as the world we know it is changing, also our own lives are changing. 
Well, when it happens, either we will see the changes that are taking place either as opportunities or we will be thrown into a crisis. Basically, it's up to us. Are we aware of the decisions we are making and the consequences that might come, or are we just living our lives, not paying attention, and Bruce says, if you choose that route, you will suffer the consequences. Consequences that arise from our actions, consequences that arise from the commitments that we make in life, what is our values, what's important to us, consequences on how and what kind of technology we develop and use, and consequences around belief systems. But this happens both on an individual level and a collective level. So even if we don't see those consequences right now, they will come. And will we pay attention enough? Will we be awake enough to think about the implications of our choices at this very moment? Bruce ends his sermon by saying that God is not literally going to come to this earth and take us away. Rather, God comes again and again and again to wake us up to the precious gift of life that is on this planet and the opportunities before us to make a difference. We'll be right back. Whatever you do, Tony, mm -hmm. don't.
fall asleep. Don't fall asleep. Do you get the reference? Uh, oh, because I kept saying awake in the monologue. That's right. Yeah. You're telling us to don't, but you don't get that reference. Did you ever see A Nightmare on Elm Street? No, the those, movie? Those, those are too scary for me. Freddy Krueger? Oh, no. Oh, it's so much fun. I had a friend named Freddy Krueger. No, you didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> well, the premise is that if you fall asleep, that's when he, he appears in your dreams. He appears? So it's not a real person? I don't know. He might be. Uh, he was a janitor that fell into the furnace in a high school. And then he comes back. And he's all burned. And he's got hands with blades on them. And you watch this? Yeah. Why? Because you got to snuggle with your, you know, boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever when well, it got scary. This is, this is a alternative worship service. <laughs> You're the I one hope, talking about sex dolls I floating hope, in the air. Really? <laughs> I hope you bring Freddy Krueger and murder and weird blades on people's hands back to somehow well, yes, tie this in. It ties into what you kept saying is that we need to be ready and awake, right, for the rapture? If you believe in the rapture, yes. Mm -hmm. If you believe in it. Which is interesting because the, the number of individuals that believe in the rapture is actually dropping. Is it? Yeah, it really took a, back in the 90s, it really spiked with the books of the Left Behind series. Yeah. Because that really talked about. I, I read those, but you know, prior to that, mm -hmm. I hadn't ever actually heard about it. Yep. So that's when it began to become prevalent. And then after that. And this just slowly seen a drop. There's, it's probably right now about thirty, high thirty percent mm -hmm. of Christians that believe in the rapture. Now, if that is a secret rapture, uh -huh. now when it comes to the rapture, as far as Jesus, a uh, physical, literal second coming, mm -hmm. and somehow human beings being raptured or taken up, yeah, that number goes up considerably at that point. I think up into the sixty percent. In all denominations? Mm -hmm. Across Christ Protestant Christianity and elements within, not so much in the, uh, the Catholic side. I was going to say, because, well, I grew up Lutheran. Mm -hmm. So. You probably didn't hear a lot of that. No, like no. none. But is you what may I'm have heard. Saying. But a secret rapture, but you may have heard about. The second coming. The second coming. Did. But yes. again, that's also considered a rapture in that there will be a taking up. There are some people. It, and it gets complicated, what they call um, pre-tribs and post-tribs. <laughs> pre <-trib> <laughs> okay. The idea being that you'll be raptured before the tribulation oh. and you don't have to go through it. And others saying the rapture won't occur till after. Really? Yeah. So the way that I was raised. I was going to say, what? Seventh-day Adventist, yes. Right. Well, the way I was what raised was, there? was that when you die, you fall asleep. Oh. So there goes your waking up part, right? So literally, uh -huh. when death is like sleep. Okay. Now, that's not a really pleasant idea to learn as a child. Because <laughs> you don't want to go to bed. <laughs> and you wonder, if am I going <laughs> to wake yeah, up? That whole prayer, I lay nice. me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Wow. And then it becomes real because <laughs> will you wake up from this sleep? That's scary. So... This idea that when you die, you fall asleep, there is no afterlife at that yeah. moment. If the la afterlife is postponed, 
Jesus will return. Okay. And when Jesus literally returns, uh-huh. he will resurrect all those who are faithful. And those who are faithful, and, then they, and they take the text in Thessalonians quite literally. Yeah. They will be lifted up, mm-hmm. the dead, mm-hmm. and then the living will be lifted up, mm-hmm. and they go with Jesus back up into heaven. Wow. And then they reside in heaven for a thousand years. And then what? And then during that time here on earth, Satan is having his way. Uh huh. But he's all alone because everyone else will have died. Has, uh, ra- yeah. Gone Either up. the believers will go up or the dead are dead. Oh. So he's by so himself. He's by himself. Wrecking havoc. Yeah, just kind of beating his head around, going, you know, this is really boring for a thousand years. Because <laughs> there's nobody around. Right. And the re- and the believers are up in heaven. Okay. And there's, you know, the, it's just pure bliss up there. Pure mm-hmm. bliss. And then at the end of a thousand years, Jesus will literally return mm-hmm. and all the dead mm-hmm. will rise up. They will be resurrected. So you have on the earth Satan and all of the wicked, and then up in heaven, you have the new Jerusalem coming down. Uh Jesus is there. God is there. All the believers are there. And then God will, Jesus will have resurrected everyone and say, I am right. And then he kills everyone again. Oh. And he kills Satan. Wow. Yeah. That's so disturbing. And then he creates a new heaven and a new earth, new oh. Jerusalem, and the word the world starts. That's messed up. And we have this utopia, okay. this pure utopia. <laughs> but isn't that, Janelle, in some ways, isn't that what all of us, and, and if you believe in a secret rapture or what I just described to you, yeah, isn't that what all of us are kind of hoping for is this utopian world where everything will be okay? That there will be no more sin. Like some people take Revelation literally. There will be no more crying. There will be no more pain. There will be no more tears. There will be no more sorrow. And all of our priorities will just be shifted to... A life of bliss. Life of awareness and consciousness, higher consciousness, like... Yeah, that could be. and But I mean, literally, the way I was raised was that you believed literally you would be a human being... And mm-hmm. you would just kind of like Garden of Eden all over again. Oh. Yeah. And you just enjoy and you live forever and ever and ever. So uh, the trouble with that is that what if you don't believe in intervening God? Well, then I think what you have to do is probably the, along the lines of what um, Bruce Ingwin does. Of you, which was? You make it a metaphor. Okay. You take those texts. And yeah. you interpret them figuratively. Mm-hmm. So I was reading about Easter Island. Mm, correct. That He mentions that in the sermon, too. Yes. And how they um, refused to face the consequences and technology and the belief systems. They chose to sleep through their destruction. Mm-hmm. And so they diminished all their resources. Correct. Have you ever been to Easter Island? Uh, no. I haven't either. I didn't know this story. So where does the responsibility lie? What do you mean, where does the responsibility lie? In us or God? That's a great question. And again, it goes back to your view of God. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, if you believe in a God of in, that intervenes in our world, a theistic God, yes, then ultimately it goes back to God. And that we, you know, we talked about that in our ruminate on that last week when we, we talked about young evangelicals and climate change. Mm -hmm. It's like, why should we worry? God will take care of everything. God right. will make everything good again. <clears throat> exactly. So it comes to that again. Right. And so that's where I think this idea, but <laughs> however, what the rapture does is it talks about this idea of a God who intervenes and a God who is a judge, mm. a God who will determine right. who is naughty and who is nice. <laughs> Santa Claus. <laughs> Sorry. You know, I actually one time preached a sermon on, on Santa Claus and God. Oh, yeah. did you? Yeah. And what, what was your conclusion? <laughs> oh, I think for, for a particular view of God, there's great parallels. Oh, you know, huh. Santa's up north. Y yeah. And he's watching everything, making a list. Checking it twice, yeah. Going to find out. Interesting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then God, and then Santa rewards you. Huh. Except with the story that we find in parts of the New Testament in the way that they are read and interpreted. It has this idea that God is the ultimate Santa Claus and the ultimate blessing, the great toy will be eternal life. Mm -hmm. And for those, either it is eternal torment or death. Oh, okay. So the parallel was that man has made this narrative about Santa Claus, just like we've made the narrative about God. Well, that is as one, a way of controlling. That's one way. Our yes, kids that, or us or yes, that's a yep. That is a way that many people look at. Wow. I mean, if well, you think about it. When human beings early on lived in small tribes, mm -hmm. clans, yeah, you knew everyone, and it was easy mm -hmm. to take care of and watch everyone. And when they messed up, you got smacked in the head for it, right? <laughs> well, sure. As, as we moved into, uh, from hunters and gatherers and more agricultural, yeah, we ended up coming together and again, we became specialists. You had a trade or you uh -huh. took what you had and you traded with other people and cities are created. And with that, you have a larger population. How do you control all these people? Mm. Well, one of the ways deities. you can Exactly. Well, you had deities before, but now... Before, the deities almost didn't seem to care what human beings were doing. It's oh. like, eh, you know, they're down there, but who cares? Yeah. Now, once you have this, now the deities become really interested in mm -hmm. what human beings are doing. And they will either positive or negative. Yeah. And when that happens, you can now start controlling the people because when... People may not see what you're doing. God does. Wow. And again, that goes back to, though, however, is people were seeing early on, the, especially in Israel, mm -hmm. the Israelites believed that the world would become better and better. Oh. And then a point came where they realized this isn't going to happen, especially after the fall of Jerusalem. Oh, yeah. Um, back in the 500s. Right. So when that happens to the to the Babylonians, when in the fall, and mm -hmm. now they are taken captive, the mm -hmm. temple is destroyed. Yeah. Now their view shifts, and now there's going to have to be a new beginning. Mm. 
And some people speculate that's where the story of the flood came in. Oh. That God had right. to start all, all over. over again. Wipe everything clean, clean right. slate. Yeah. Yep. And get that's it. I and, get it. And that's what happens with this idea that God somehow is going to have to create a new earth. Mm-hmm. And you see this in Isaiah, the very last few chapters in Isaiah oh. 60 onward. It talks about a new heaven and a new earth. Right. That appears again in Revelation at the very end. Right. So you get this idea of a new heaven and new earth because basically people mm-hmm. have given up. So the idea of the Messiah also came out of after the fall of Jerusalem? Mm-hmm. Or was it before, prior to that? No, but after. Because, after. Because from that point on, Israel never was an independent state. Mm. They were always under the authority of someone. Right. And so the idea being that the Messiah would come and he would deliver them. Right. And make them an independent state again. They would have their freedom. Hmm. And in some ways today, there are many Jews who still are looking for the Messiah. Right. To give them complete freedom Mm -hmm. and lift them up as the greatest and restore the covenant that he made that God made with um, Abraham. Wow. So again, that goes all goes back to this idea of the rapture is, does life get so bad? Messy. Yep. That the only way out is to escape. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and we're going to take a break, and I want to oh. come back and <clears throat> see what you think about that. Okay. So what do you think? I think that's probably true. Um, But your method of of escape is, I guess, (sighs) we all try to escape, don't we? Yeah, to different, in different different degrees. Yep. We have a bad day, we go home, and we sit in front of Netflix and binge watch. However, if if you were living in Ukraine. Mm, True. You there's, literally there's had to no escape. Es- well, yeah. You literally had to escape. Right. And I think there are some people believing that we might see with the rise of Russia and mm-hmm. the rise of China and North Korea, mm-hmm. the prevalence of, of nuclear weapons, that I think that's what it comes down to. Are we optimistic about the future of human beings and that human beings are inherently good and, and can work can, out their problems. Yep. Or right. do we believe that things, basically human beings could destroy each, each other. other, not the planet, but each other. Right. And then the question is, where is God in all of this? Some people want to see God intervening and mm-hmm. stopping it mm-hmm. or God saying, you know, that's enough. I've given you this experiment. You failed. Right. So I'm going to wipe everything out and start all over again. Another and flood. Then, and those who are, <laughs> yes, and those who are faithful will be raptured up if that's what people believe or mm-hmm. removed so that God can destroy the earth and then start all over again. It's really a matter of what do we, where's our sense of hope? Do we believe in the hope of humanity or do we believe in a hope for God to intervene? Right. And if you believe in a hope for humanity, doesn't that just kind of, I mean, for hope for God, sorry then that sort of, you can, you don't have to be as responsible because you know that he's going to come well, the responsibility, flying down. and Yeah, but the responsibility comes into 
uh, I took a drink and ended up dribbling <laughs> on my chin. Um, I think the responsibility comes back into the sense of being faithful to God, obedient mean? to God. Hmm. So if God's the prevalent view is God's going to come back, yeah, and make everything better. Yes. So, but your your responsibility is on you to believe that. To, are you going to be faithful to God? Are you going to be obedient and live the kind of life that God expects of you, so that? Gotcha. You end up on the right side, not the wrong side. Caveat. When God returns. Right. I.e. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the, I mean, really, it, it, if you think about it, it is very, in our core of, as human beings, in our core. Yeah. We want to feel safe. We, we want to feel secure. Uh-huh. About our future and the future of the next generation. And we don't like the idea of death being the end. We want some kind of future there. So either you believe that your spirit goes up into heaven or part of you kind of transcends it all and then can, I mean, all these different options are out there for people to, to try to resolve this question. So not only you have the future of the earth and humanity, but ultimately it all goes back to I'm going to die. What's going to happen to me? Yeah, I guess so. Right. Uncertainty about death. Yeah. And that's sure. where God comes in for many people <clears throat> into that picture. I don't know. I just keep thinking it feels like a cop out. <laughs> There's your escape. A cop out. A cop out. Yeah. I can't get away from that. Yeah. But how do you really believe... <laughs> Janelle. I want people to step up and yeah, but do you come think, on? Do you think there's enough <laughs> good people with the amount of power and corruption and greed that is within humanity? Mm -hmm. Do you think there's enough goodness in humanity to be able to right this ship, or are we basically over? <laughs> and that's that ultimately. I'm an idealist, I guess. So yes, my answer is yes. Good will always prevail. And there were a lot of Christians who believed this. Mm -hmm. And it was World War II that for a lot of them, it was mm -hmm. like, I... Yeah, okay. We've seen what humanity at its worst. capable. Of and doing. right now, we're, look right. at what Ukraine is doing right. over there. Right. And Russia is doing to Ukraine. I mean, it, it, how do you deal with that? That's, that's hard. That's harsh. Yeah, true. What, what do we do with that? I mean, there. I don't know. Keep hoping, keep hoping, keep hoping, keep hoping. And that goes back. I to, guess that's what I do. Right, and that goes back to that question of: Do I keep hoping, mm -hmm. or do I believe that God is going to intervene? Is my hope in some kind of an inbreaking by God to make everything better, yeah. or is my hope rely within humanity? Yeah. And it's hard. It's hard. Yeah, it's really hard when you're driving down the road and some jerk just, you know, cut you off. Yeah. And you look <laughs> and you up think, in the and air. You think, what, what? And you look up in the air and you see dolls floating. <laughs> that does not you, happen to me. Yet. And then you think, <laughs> you know what? That's the that's that's the option. Uh-huh. That I can be caught oh, up. Poor Dorothy. And I don't know. Up I go in a way. <laughs> 
You know, which is interesting. You just brought Dorothy into it. Yeah. Isn't that the Wizard of Oz it's in many ways? It's the Wizard of Oz, and I kept thinking that while you're telling that story. It's the great escape. Uh-huh, yeah. Escape from all... There's no place like home. There's and no place like home. that's what she discovers. At the very end, isn't that what she discovers? There's yeah. no place like home. The, the question, I think, for Christians is, mm -hmm. where's home? Is home yes. somewhere up in heaven, up, up above? Or Kansas. Or is it in Kansas? <laughs> right? I mean, that's what it really boils down to. I used to live Where, in Kansas. I'm going to go with Kansas. <laughs> well, I feel sorry for you because we lived in Nebraska, just north of you. Oh, we didn't like you guys. Yeah, and we didn't like Kansas either. Your, your football. Well, our football's not very good right now either. Yeah, so, okay. Yeah, but I think that's... Uh, I mean, I don't want to beat this poor horse to death. <laughs> go but ahead. I think, but I think it's a question... That when you really ponder it, yeah, both sides have some real challenges to it, right? I mean, if if you have God intervening mm -hmm. and God will make everything better, well, what is God waiting for? That's what how, I was going to say. It's a timeline now. What? How when? bad does it have to get? I mean, we've we've watched World War One, we World War Two, and uh -huh. and right. the genocide in Auschwitz. And you could go back over time and how human beings have done to each other over the way that they kill each other. And yes. Right. I mean, how much, how long does God need before God will say, okay, they've done it. That's enough. I mean, or is God somehow limited? Is it? And that's where a lot of people struggle mm -hmm. is they believe that we have a role to play in right. this. We that's have some somehow, responsibility. And they believe our responsibility is to spread, evangelize, spread the gospel. And uh -huh. so as many people yes. as possible can accept Jesus as their personal savior. Well, then basically that kind of messes everything up. Does it though? Doesn't everybody have a, like a real inner yearning? Yearning, that's the word. For? to um, some sort of higher awareness or goodness, or I guess you can call it God. They want to connect. Doesn't everybody have that? I don't know. I don't know either. I, I don't know if you can use the word everyone. Mm. There may be a few people, a lot of people. I don't know what number that is. But Deep down, everybody. Well, I think they're... Is that just I mean, my the, idealistic little brain? Well, I think the, the, when I read the, the evolution of, of God, the idea is rather than seeing God as, this one view says, rather than seeing God as, as one who created everything and has been involved from the very beginning, yeah. the other view has the idea of evolution. And at some point in this evolutionary process, Homo sapiens became aware enough of what was happening in their minds allowed them basically to have imagination mm -hmm. and they needed mm -hmm. answers to why things were happening you know it, for explanations okay. to what was occurring right that's where their minds were able to tap into something beyond themselves i.e god god so that's the question is is it and that's why i think a lot of Christ christians really struggle continue to struggle mm -hmm. with evolution because it does impact right. your view of God right? and how active God is in this process. And, you know, someone told me one time that our protology, 
impacts our eschatology. And what that basically Big means, words. yes, protology, prados, um, before, so the beginning, mm -hmm. the beginning of the world, life, okay. affects, that view affects eschatolo eschatological view, which is the end of the world. Okay. So how you believe this world started is going to impact how, how you, you see it and how it's going to end. Right. And with the role of God. If God is the one mm -hmm. who created the world, God is the one who's given us the rule book yeah. to follow, then that's going to impact that. God how, is going to end the world God's well. going to be part of that. On the other side, if you believe in evolution, whoo, that one gets scary. Because it leaves this feeling of human beings in control. We're destroy ourselves. And how much hope do we mm -hmm. have in humanity versus how much hope we put in or despair we put in the future of the world? Gosh, I wanted answers this morning. Well, I don't think here at Monodia. <laughs> and, you know, Janelle, that's, that's a good point. Because to be honest with you, I think... What we offer here at Monodia is an alternative mm -hmm. worship service built for the year. Mm -hmm. And it may not leave people feeling warm and fuzzy. Darn. You know what I mean? There's not this feeling of yes. everything's... Kosher and happy and... And I think that's what rather than just necessarily giving you the giving people the answers mm -hmm. we encourage people to reflect for themselves and then have that conversation with other people yeah and i think that sense of community of being able to discuss these things with others where you're uncomfortable all of you right and... you know you can only be an ostrich for so long before you, <laughs> before you starve to death if you keep your hand buried head buried in, in the, the sand, sand. Okay. No, eventually you got to come up otherwise you're going to die <laughs> and i think that's what a lot of people um not a lot i think that's why some people choose not to think about these things but yeah. eventually you're going to have to probably more than likely you're going to have to think about them however at monodia we do want to include that aspect of being aware of our emotions and our own spirit and one of the ways that we do that is we provide a meditation. Originally, we were going to have that as part of the podcast. The challenge was in doing that is that if you have it in the middle and if you're working out, if you're driving a car, and when you come to the meditation, you really can't, probably shouldn't meditate at that moment while you're driving. Otherwise, you'll end up like Dorothy. <laughs> Instead, what we do is we add that meditation at the very end. So if you're listening to this and you don't have the time to pause and experience this, we ask you to use this as an option at a later time. If you are at a place where you can do that, I would encourage you to listen to this meditation and use this as a time of your own personal reflection as you counter God in whatever way that you see God. I want to thank you again for taking the time to listen to Monodia. You have a lot of options in how you use your time. And if you've chosen to listen to us, and if you're listening to this, that means you've listened to the end of it. Thank you. And if this is something that you feel meets a need within your life, 
and you're willing, I would encourage you to share this with someone else so that you can kind of create your own little community of individuals that you can talk about these things with because they indeed make a difference in how we live our lives. Look forward to seeing you next week on Ruminate on That, where we're going to be talking about prayer and coaches. Until then, stay safe and take care. is simply become familiar with the breath as a way to become familiar with all of who you are at this moment in this day wherever you find yourself sitting or standing feel the weight of your body through your seat or your feet on the floor Straighten your upper body as if a balloon is pulling your head to the sky. Lower your shoulders. Soften your gaze and try to gently fixate on a point on the ground in front of you. Connect to the natural cycle of your breath, feeling the rise and fall of your belly Tune into your breath as if it's a wave of an ocean or the movement of a fan. Sensing each breath as a unique act or rotation. Feel the rise and fall of your belly. And when your mind wonders as it will, Return to the physical sensation of your breath.